My name is Robert Sram, your host today on Future Now Radio. And our special guest is Travis Grant from the United States of America. At Future Now Radio, we invite active visionaries that are in the process of creating a collaborative world radio platform to explore concepts and understandings around new systems of sustainability and post-scarcity. Future Now Radio is a free station bypassing the mainstream media by offering programs and inspiring original and regenerating perspectives to address world problems and offer positive grassroots and meta-level solutions. About Travis, Travis recognizes that the world is changing and he desires to participate in constructive change. Travis works toward the emergence of community on this planet so that we may all have the opportunity to participate in a living system that facilitates the fulfillment of all beings. He spends his time designing and developing a unified socio-economic model and accompanying societal system for human fulfillment and ecological sustainability. His purpose in life encompasses himself and all others. Hello, Travis. Welcome to the show. Greetings. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, Travis, one of our classic openers is uh, to take a few minutes to share some info we found uh, from you on LinkedIn or mm -hmm. uh, on your website. And the first thing I noticed, because it says one of your influences is Mark Lore. Oh, no, that's one of the people I follow, but I don't really, that's one of the people I click to follow, but I don't actually really follow anybody on LinkedIn. So yes, he's the only one on there that uh, I have clicked the link to follow, but I I don't know what goes on with Mark Lore. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Mark Lore, if you're interested, I think Mark Lore is, uh, there, are there are billionaires or like uh, people on the planet with a lot of money who want to build these new cities. And so the reason Mark Lore is on there, um, or the reason I clicked that link and there's nobody else on there at all, is because I think Mark Lore is one of these people who is planning on building or has said publicly that they want to build a new type of city environment. And so when someone does that, you know, I try to connect a little bit with them. And, and so we sent him the earlier version of the standards, not the one that's just been released, just released a few days ago, but the earlier version. When we find somebody who's really interested in this direction, sometimes we uh, the project uh, seeks to find out their name and then we send them the standards. Okay, I see. Well, so that's an interesting part. Uh, anyhow, so thanks for sharing that. Okay, Travis, on your website, it says, and I quote, power your life knowing that a greater experience of human fulfillment and ecological well-being is possible. So yes. I would love to learn from you, where is this coming from? So I wouldn't call Orvon on my website. It's a uh... It's, it's, you know, I did, I did start the project, um, but the project I think is much greater than myself. Um, so this is a project uh, because I don't think there's any other project yet out there in this manner. I started this project and I started this project because I wanted to develop a unified information system that could facilitate global human fulfillment. 
And so, you know, there are two ways to look at this. The first way is that I think it's, uh, I think it's the highest level intention to think about how we could achieve a better way of living for all on the planet. And I think, I think a lot of people, probably a lot of people listening to this have that same intention. And we can do that in many different ways. And there are many different people working on this common direction. So there are two ways of looking at this, right? Uh, and so the, the one way of looking at this is that I think it's important for us all to feel that intrinsic drive to contribute to the greater fulfillment of all, uh, because I think that it's like an intentional life purpose that motivates you and bring, brings love and joy into your life in every moment of your life. And so uh, that's the first thing I think, and I think we can achieve a better world for, for all. Uh, and I think that's possible given the amount of information that's currently available on the planet right now. And so I began working on, you know, my background, whatever my background, I began working on a unified information model that could produce global human fulfillment in a way in which there is no need for trade and all the consequences that come from that. There is no need for authoritarian coercion and all the negative as the prior is to consequences that come from that. And, uh, you know, there is global human fulfillment. And again, there are no socioeconomic classes division of classes in terms of what you have access to. So I think this is a long, a, a long way of responding to the, to your question, but why, you know, that's probably why you picked that out because it's, you know, we, instead of, uh, wanting to, um, disconnect from society and disconnect from others, uh, because of the, the great suffering and trauma that this current society, um, tends to create through its, it's emergent environmental behaviors. I think it's possible to develop an information system that would allow us to achieve, you know, I think this intention that we all desire. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks. Travis, uh, we are in a pivotal moment in history, right? I mean, lots of things are shifting. But we will dive into that uh, in, uh, a bit more later. And we are in the midst of a transition phase where we all need each other to overcome uh, our current challenges. So let's dive into your talk and your project, the Orovana project. I know that you just shared it's not your project, but it's more people are involved. That's great. And um, just for the listeners, Travis, in short, so you developed a master plan for designing and developing a unified and scalable model for human fulfillment and ecological stability that is capable of being operated at the planetary scale and is presently referred to as community. So in common parlance, this type of model is otherwise known as a socio-economic model. Please share with us more how this works and how you see yourself and your mission. So the Oravana project seeks to bring into an ex existence or engineer into existence a new type of society. So a new configuration of society. 
And uh, that configuration, the label or the name we give to that configuration is community. A lot of people use the word community to mean things that are much less than it could be used or could, could the meaning that the impact of that on our life could be. And we could apply that meaning of community that we get at smaller scales to the societal scale. And we can create a specific type of configuration of society that we might call, there are different names for it. The Orvana Project particularly uses the word, the, the name or label community. Other projects use other names. Uh, but it's, it's possible to achieve this type of configuration of society. Uh, and that configuration of society is where we have global human need fulfillment based upon various, based upon us living in locally customized habitats that are networked as one global habitat service system. And so when you begin looking at any configuration of society, you first have to understand the primary subsystems of that, of that system. So the primary subsystems of any type of society, there are four primary subsystems. You have a social system, you have a decision system, you have a material system, and you have a lifestyle system. And of course, you have a project plan, and then you have the description or overview for that configuration. So, but you have four primary systems, social decision, material, lifestyle. And those are the primary four standards that you can use to describe the configuration of a type of society. So you can describe the current type of society that we live in that the Orvana Project refers to as the market state using those four systems. You can also describe a different configuration of society, one, might, one that we might call community, and you can configure those four systems uh, in a specific way to achieve a specific goal. And so uh, given the information we have on the planet now, it's possible to uh, fill in the, those standards. It's possible to fill in the written part of those, those standards. It's possible to fill in the mathematical part of those standards. Um, it's possible to provide the material lists and budgets for uh, a network, a global network of habitat service systems where humans are fulfilled throughout their lives without the, the, uh, the need to trade uh, or the, the need to have authoritarian coercive government or to have socioeconomic class division where we have unequal opportunity and access. And so, yes, we've begun working on those standards. And we're just really in the introductory phases of what's going to become, you know, some sort of future operating system for how we live together on this planet. Um, then there's also the software part. And so uh, the, when you use that, I just want to clarify one thing as we're going, when you use the word when someone uses the word, when we use the word decision, and I say the, the systems are social decision, people say, well, where is economics? Well, at a higher level, an economic system is a decision system, or a, a depending upon what you, an intelligence system. So, and then you have economics, which is the transformation of resources, the acquisition and transformation of resources into uh, needed goods and services, or you know, needed habitat service systems and objects therein. 
So I think that kind of summarizes the response to that question. Yeah, thanks. That's amazing. Just to sort of feel into it a little bit more, do you um, sense that, or do you feel that we sort of, with your, uh, with the Aravana project, we're shifting from sustainability or sustainable towards a regenerative way of living? Because that's the buzzword at the moment, right? Mm, just, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is the buzzword. In fact, yes, you do see that on um, in many places you would not expect to see it nowadays. So, so I mean, I, it, that, that word has, the, the, so the words are sustainability, um, regenerability, uh, regeneration. Mm -hmm. You know, we're building a, just like the material system now is built, future systems uh, will be built more efficiently and uh, with greater, greater optimization in the way in which resources are used uh, and less harm on ecological services. So I think, you, you know, the big word right now is re regeneration or regenerability. Of course, you have sustainability. You know, I can talk about this in terms of, in terms of the material system, because this really applies to material system objects. So the regeneration rates, if you're talking about regeneration and not going over carrying capacity is part of operational processes that resolve decisions. When you're talking about uh, regeneration like or restoration, like uh, restoration agriculture or regenerative agriculture, those terms uh, you often see that these terms nowadays used in places you wouldn't expect in relation to that concept. Um, and so the Oravana standards, if we're just going to talk about rest, if we're going to talk about the concept of agriculture and the material system, the Oravana concepts have a material system standard. In the material system standard, there are two standards. There is first the material standard itself and then there is a substandard because the material standard is so large and that's the habitat standard and so that describes how objects and processes uh, work together in a material environment to meet human need requirements and so under the life support uh, habitat service system under under uh, life support, you then have a series of subservice systems of the habitat. One of those subservice systems is the cultivation system. And so in the material systems under the habitat system, you have the description of life, uh, technology, and exploratory. And the cultivation system itself, a lot of the documentation therein talks about restoration agriculture, how to create a restorative environment where we are building the soil around our living, uh, around, around and within our habitat. And so uh, these, this concept of restoration is very important therein. Uh, and so we talk about in that document, it's uh, you basically get a description of restoration agriculture and how to do restoration agriculture and how to create an environment that feeds you and produces an abundance of food, fuel and fiber and also facilitates the restoration of the soil. 
That's one subsystem of the habitat service system of most habitats in which people will live in the future. Um, so again, sustainability protocols or principles, and uh, then in that sense, restorative ones are part of part of the decision system. And then those values are part of the social system. So you have you have values in the social system and sustainability is and, and restoration, I think, I think it's there. Um, those are those are those are uh, stability values. Those are not the core values, but those stability values are described in the social system, which then become part of the protocols in the decision system or the objectives in the decision system to resolve decisions because you have a set of objectives to resolve decisions toward a specific intention or goal. And the goal is to meet global human need fulfillment. And then that cycles around, if we're looking at a unified model, that cycles around into the lifestyle we live. And then that cycles back around into our values. Our, our values are, you know, what we intend for ourselves. Are they actually creating the lifestyle that we choose? So again, that returns to the unified model of which right now there's so many, there's so much disconnect in understanding that we can produce a unified information system and standardize that to, uh, to facilitate our global human fulfillment. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Travis, I'm intrigued by all these different layers that you are describing and specifically uh, stability systems that are there sort of to keep the balance in the system. And what I filter is that you sort of with this project um, or within this, this type of societal model that you bring in feedback loops, enough feedback loops to optimize not only the system, but also to monitor uh, how much uh, resources are being used or needed and not only resources in, in goods and, and stuff and, and you know, uh, food that we need, but also in like, um, yeah, physical, psychological aspects that are important to live healthy. Is, is that sort of, uh, do I filter this correctly? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So uh, yes, there are feedback loops at every level, at every scale, and they primarily at the present point in time would have to do with individuals. So you can talk about feedback loops via each of the four systems. So the first question, and then the first question is, how are these systems developed and who, who implements these systems? And that's actually talked about in the project plan because we're executing a project. Every society is a project. So we're executing a project. And in the project plan, there's contribution. And that contribution section essentially details contribution to a community type society. And also uh, the project plan has a sub standard because that became so large called project execution where we also need to transition to this environment so that plan describes oh, that that plan is where the contribution section is it's in the project plan and then it's in that sub plan um, project execution that's actually a separate document because it's so large and because these are printed standards as well as 
online PDF standards, uh, we had to separate them. So it's in the project execution standard. And in that standard, we essentially describe contribution to this type of society. So when we talk about feedback loops, we can talk about feedback loops at many levels. Uh, we can talk about the development of the total standard itself, which is developed the way all socio-technical standards are developed by working groups um, and teams. And those working groups develop standards. This is how our current society operates at the present point in time. A lot of people think this is very strange that we would use standards, but a highly developed socio-technical society requires the use of standards. And these standards are essentially used uh, in order to, you know, operate safely. And they're used by habitat service teams. So you have information working groups developing and working on standards, and you have habitat teams using those standards to operate a global habitat service system where the individuals themselves live and work in local habitat service systems. And uh, it's possible through these standards to um, create a, and the, the, the use of these standards, like we use now, you know, all of our technological equipment is based on standards, governments use standards, they call them policies and laws, corporations and businesses internally use standards, often calling them policy, but then you have, and then people are like, well, what's the most uh, famous or well-known standards organization if somebody isn't familiar with standards? And that's probably the ISO, the International Standards Setting Organization, uh, or the IEEE uh, for electronics. Um, so we, uh, we have feedback loops at every level and uh, in the, so we, have the, we have people themselves experiencing their lives in these habitats given a set of standards. Some of those people are working on information working groups. Some of those people are working on habitat service teams. In the decision, yes, there, there are, in the decision system, there are also these calculation loops where uh, we acquire information, check that information, uh, and uh, develop a better understanding of our environment and how to operate and take decisions in it um, and where best to, to distribute resources. In the material system, you know, what, I mean, in the material system is our life experience, which feeds into our lifestyle and there are feedback loops there. And those feedback, and because this is a contributory system, people are actually contributing and the, they're, they're contributing because they know they get back from society if they contribute during some period of time over their lifetime, um, possibly the goal being to reduce the number of working years. And I'm specific in that manner when I say working years, I don't necessarily mean working hours. I think they are two different things. You can, for example, um, and this is kind of specific. So for example, you can work 40 years, uh, 40 to, uh, I don't know, between 30, 40 years uh, for 40 to 60 hours a week for 40 years. So it's not a reduction in, in, in working hours, 
in in this sense, although that could be beneficial. Uh, it's more it's also a reduction in working years so that people work fewer years before the leisure phase of their life, of which that exists both currently in the market state and the leisure phase is supply is often supplied by states. If they have the money, they give people, you know, a retirement or a pension to live the remainder of their lives uh, in community of the leisure phase of your life too, where you're not contributing, or if you want to continue, continue contributing throughout the remainder of your life, that's possible too. No, you, that you all, one always has the opportunity to do that just as in this current society. So it's very similar. The phases of our lives in community are very similar to the phases of our lives in, um, in the market state. We have an education phase. We have, uh, you know, in the market state, you have an employment phase phase, and then you have a leisure phase, uh, or retirement, I guess, is more correct, more correct mm. term in the market state. And then in community of education, contribution, and leisure. And if you want the, uh, if you want to continue contributing throughout the remainder of your life, you know, there are different ways you can do it. Community doesn't, this is just one, if you read the contribution section, there are many different ways that contribution could occur. Um, this is just one example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I feel like playing a bit with that topic because, you know, for me, it feels in current society, it feels pretty insane that we have to work for 40 years or 45 years, you know, the, the, the best part, the quality part, your physical uh, being here on Earth is almost like three quarters or gone by. And then and then you have to see how many years you've got or, or which is given to you in a way by nature to see uh, how you can yeah enjoy the rest of your life but so i always was wondering uh, travis uh, so why don't we have sort of a pre-pension why can't you have pension pre-pension between your 20th and your 40th year and enjoy everything which your body is totally you know in the prime of 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 your uh, of your health and uh and and then after that see uh, how many years you have to work <laughs> how do you feel about that yeah uh so kind of the opposite where you'd have education then you yeah. essentially would have leisure um yeah. and then you would have contribution mm. Uh, that's an interesting way of doing it. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm always open to experimenting. I think all societies are experiments. You know, I I don't know if that's the the society that I would necessarily choose to um, live in. Where uh, because I know kind of like I felt I felt that there was a period of time in my own life where I felt like really you know, contributing to society early on. And I could do a lot in a short amount of time. And in that sense, it might be more efficient for my life if I was to participate in a society where contribution came before leisure and we were doing our best and, and the goal and one of the goals of, of living and, and actually contributing one of the intentions or objectives while contributing to that society was that you know, through this increase in efficiency, we could reduce the working years of all. But I don't know, I'm, you could probably experiment with it the other way. I might want to try kind of living in a society like that too. I don't know, we could, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, or a habitat. I mean, you know, because different habitats, I guess we're actually not 
yeah, we're talking about in general, maybe th these are three common phases, but I don't see why you couldn't mix them up. And in fact, I mean, the, the contribution, the leisure phase can go together for anyone if they want to continue contributing. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's, inter it's an interesting uh, thought experiment. Yeah, it could be sort of a hybrid uh, option, maybe, so some, something in between. Yeah, that you can do both. Yeah, awesome. Travis, I, I do have a question for you to find out exactly how far the project goes. Yeah, because yeah, because currently we have conditional systems, right? Uh, I mean, right. we need to have a job to earn money to pay for food right. and bills and so on and so on. So, yeah. so I just to make it clear for the listeners also is your, is the project also or still based on conditional agreements at some part or are you foreseeing to shift more to unconditional models where we don't have to be accountable for everything we do, but we bring in the best of ourselves, our unique talents, our gifts, and that should be enough to live by it. So sort of a system built on trust. So are we, uh, so the first, uh, can we're, this is, so I'll just sort of summarize what you were saying. You're talking about unconditional and conditional systems. Yeah. Um, different types, how the, how the, a community uh, type society operates and how we're going to transition to a community type society. Yeah. From the language that you used conditional and uh, how we, how I see unconditional uh, accountable versus unaccountable and how we see trust. So uh, yes, we're talking about two different configurations of society. We're talking about a community type configuration of society and we're talking about the current configuration of society where people have to work and there is money and there are states that will punish you uh, if you do certain, if you behave in specific ways or take specific actions. And so uh, we're living in a society where there's trade, where there are a lot of things uh, that community is not based upon. And those concepts are not operationalized in community. So, uh, there is the design of what and the engineering of the community type societal system itself. And then there's the transitioning to that type of society from this type of society. There are many different ideas on how transition might occur. And there are many projects out there working in on the same direction we are and facilitating transition in their own ways at the present time. So, but in turn, and in terms of the way the Oravana standards uh, are written, there is the project plan. The project plan document details not only the uh, project operation of the type of society itself, but necessi necessarily details transition to this type of you know, society, just like the construction of a building. You have the final building, and then you have the transition of that material environment to the point at which that building exists, and that's construction. And so you have... You have um, we have a transition proposal is what I'm trying to say. You have a project plan and within the project plan, we have uh, the start and this is the first, uh, the first version, the very first version of the transition proposal. And it's a transition plan and it describes the many different ways that we might possibly transition to this new configuration of society. And uh, yes, 
My, I don't know how it will emerge. I think it will emerge from um, multiple different, um, multiple different points. Uh, I think it could be facilitated in its emergence at the state level, and I think it could be facilitated in its emergence at the individual consumer level. It could also be facilitated at its emergence in the transition of businesses at that level. So I don't quite know, but this is all sort of written about um, in the documentation. In the documentation, in terms of conditional versus unconditional, I don't know if I would specifically use those two words to equivalently represent accountability and trust. Um, I think these concepts are probably best applied at different levels. So if we're first, if we're talking about, for example, if we're talking about at the state level, you know, we would first now be talking about laws. And then if you imagine that this might occur by the creation of new habitats, new cities or villages, new eco-villages, you'd then begin thinking about bylaws. So those bylaws would really, the, the habitat themselves, the people living in this type of habitat, the bylaws wouldn't be to necessarily do any punishment to the person, but they, the person would then have to leave the habitat. And then there's the enforcement of that. And so if you're then talking about laws, they turn into at the, the transitionary, potential transitionary, because all of this is a possibility. Um, we won't, we don't know yet. It's there, it's a proposal. You have these bylaws, and then there's the enforcement of these bylaws. And how are those these bylaws enforced by it within the habitat itself? And if this habitat will probably arise within the context of a state, because the entire world is a separated into these extremely powerful states. So it a habitat like this might arise or an eco-village uh, might arise within a state and then it uses bylaws and then beyond those bylaws becomes state enforcement. And that could facilitate transition. Um, if you're talking about conditional and unconditional, I mean, life is conditional. So uh, for example, I need to eat in order to live. Um, our human needs are conditional. So I, I don't know where the word unconditional, like I say to the to my partner, you know, I love you unconditionally, uh, but I don't know how that applies to, um, so, but conditional, you know, uh, th this, this concept applies. Uh, I mean, unconditional, I guess, could be our consciousness. Uh, you kind of apply that concept to unconditional, but uh, conditional, uh, we live in a material environment and our continued existence herein is dependent upon, you know, the fulfillment of a set of common human needs. So living in, and that, that's in this, that's in any society. So society uh, or our life in the material environment in any society is conditional. Now, if we're talking about conditional trade relationships, uh, no, they're in community, there are not trade relationships. Um, the, the resources are held as the common heritage of all. And accountability in community, you have accountability because you have individuals that are operating in an open environment on two types of teams, information teams and um, habitat teams, who the people who work physically in the material environment just as, as opposed to people who work with inter information. And of course, in the actual operation, you have inter-system teams. 
And that's a combination of information. Somebody might be working on both people, you know, the two might be communicating. Um, so you have you have accountable people working on these teams uh, in a coordinated project in a project coordinated manner and everyone is accountable and you can see what they do unlike now where a lot of people are you know really unaccountable when uh, we claim to have accountability but it's not accountability what we have now so uh, you actually have true accountability i think in a community type society versus what we have now where there is some but there's also a lot of people who think there is accountability when there isn't. And so then, of course, trust. Trust is more like yeah, it could be a social concept. Could, it actually, trust kind of applies to all the systems. So you have uh, trust uh, in one another. Uh, you have trust in the data. Um, you have trust that the calculations are correct. Um, you have trust that the uh, material systems that we build aren't going, are, are safe and aren't going to hurt us. I'm talking about like architecture and, you know, physical mechanical engineering, but these things are not going to hurt us. And then you have trust in one another in our lifestyle and how we live together. So, uh, yeah, these cons, these are complex concepts. Um, they all, they all apply. Uh, but I've kind of, I perceive, you know, this is how they might be perceived in the Oravana standards. Yeah, yeah, great. I think you totally, yeah, you managed to explain the, the many, many layers that are there. And uh, I think it's fascinating to listening to you to take all these different angles on uh, words that we all sort of have um, a certain perception of, like conditional and unconditional, but there are so many layers. So th thanks for that. I appreciate mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, Travis, what made you actually decide to focus on being a change maker and a societal systems developer? Focus on your calling. Um, you know that I I tend to answer that question depending on who I'm talking to. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so. Because there's more personal aspects that you know aren't. I would rather in. I would rather not share in okay. general but you know i've i've seen a lot of poverty in my life um i've had the opportunity to travel you know i i had a lot of opportunities that i don't think a lot of people on the planet get um and so i've done a lot of traveling and lived in a lot of different places and uh i've seen a lot of poverty and a lot of people see a lot of poverty, but I had the opportunity after seeing that poverty to say that, hey, something on the planet needs to change. There needs to be some sort of change. And uh, this, this isn't okay the way we're currently living our lives with there being people who are suffering so greatly on the planet. And uh, not just that, then seeing, you know, families suffer. Um, and so, you know, I, I had that that sort of perception. I've had that perception for a while, uh, and I wanted to. Uh, I've been. I've wanted to facilitate a better living environment for a long time. Um, I I grew. Maybe this is relevant. Maybe it's not. Um, I went to high school in Singapore. 
Singapore in the 1990s, late 1990s was a pretty amazing place. It was very beautiful, um, very efficient. We had a lot of uh, amazing technology there. Um, and so, you know, after living in Singapore, um, I moved to other places on the planet and those places just weren't as, as beautiful. I mean, the, the, Singapore is like a city state and uh, they, keep, they keep the location, um, they really value aesthetics. And I moved, I've moved, I've seen a lot of poverty. I've seen, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of beauty, what humans can do if they spend, you know, if they spend the time and have the culture to develop, they can develop be beautiful environments around themselves. And so then I moved from there to a place that was not so attractive. So I've got to, so I, what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that I've experienced a lot of contrast and I, I've uh, also seen maybe experience a lot of suffering. Uh, and so, you know, what's the best way, what's the, what's the, and I've done a lot of traveling. So, you know, you uh, slowly begin to achieve a global perspective and I haven't wanted to work at the local level. I've always had this idea that, no, it's possible to begin achieving a more global level harmony in the operation of our uh, planetary society. I think that might take a long time to come but I think it's possible. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I think that sort of um, life experiences were the main motivator for you to uh, doing this. And that's, uh, you know, I think a great thing that you uh, yeah. do what you're doing. So thanks for that. Yeah, maybe another question uh, and I feel well, it might be also personal. I, I leave it up to you how it lands. So how do you combine your life as a transition engineer? Because I see you as one and a change maker, a societal systems developer and your other current activities. How do you find and keep balance in your life? Balance is a very difficult term. Um, yeah, because I wake up every day thinking about this life purpose. Uh, and um, you know, I think a lot of people have difficulty with that. It becomes much easier though, when you met, when you can meditate and you have, uh, you know, you have, um, I don't know, you have other activities around. If I don't have a lot of other activities around, then I get kind of focused on this and doing this every day, all the time. Uh, when there are other things to do, like when I'm traveling and there are more and other interesting things around in my environment, then there's more, I guess you could say balance. Uh, in my life, you know, I tend to exercise more. I tend to, I tend to work a little bit more efficiently, I think. Um, and I tend to walk more, which I think is important for all of us walking. Uh, and that's not something I tend to do. You know, I've worked, I worked on, I've, this is a, as you can see and tell from the amount of content that there are, that, that's on the website, specifically not, I mean, not only the written part, but the models too, you know, it has been a lot of work. Uh, and I have not had a lot of that balance uh, in my life. Um, yeah, I've, yeah, it's, you know, overworking can make you sick. And then you have to go into a period of restoration because you're forced not to work. So, you know, there's so much suffering on the planet. And I think it's so possible. And I see so, um, there's so many projects working out there on this direction. But there aren't, there aren't a lot of projects that are working on standards like 
And so I felt the need to develop these standards. Um, it can be hard. I think uh, one, one of the kind of more common terms now might be biohacking. You know, if you improve your physiology, you can basically improve your lifestyle if we're talking about work-life balance. But and some people say work is everything. Cleaning the house is work. What, everything you do is work. I don't know really what work is yet. Is it cleaning the house? Is it doing something that basically uh, meets the need fulfillment of others? Um, so work-life balance, yeah, I mean, I kind of work all the time and think about this all the time. But again, I do other activities and those other activities include things like saunas, you know, walking. When I have other activities, when I have access to um, other objects like, you know, hobbies, right now I don't have access to those objects. So if you don't have access to the objects, you know, you don't really have those hobbies and your lifestyle changes. So right now I don't have access to the hobbies that I would have access to that would kind of uh, maybe give me a little bit more what's, I don't know if balance is the right word. Again, that's a very difficult word to talk about. Probably, mm. um, I don't know, a, a, a more calm feeling in my life, my less like intense, my yeah. life would be less intense. Yeah. Yeah. I, so while you were responding, I was wondering, so what came up for me is beside all the positive things you mentioned, you, you see there are, that, that are possible. Um, well, was there ever a time or a moment in your life you thought, why am I doing this again? Or did you ever questions in a way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, um, like say, why am I, uh, no, I've questioned myself afterward. Uh, I've questioned, why did I do that afterward? No, during my life, I've kind of always, I've set goals and I followed those goals. And um, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've set goals and I've really followed those goals in my life. And then after maybe I completed the goal I, or completed the goal in a roundabout way, not necessarily like the category of goal, I said, you know, why did I, why did I choose that? I think I might've chosen something else. I mean, for example, that's a, that's a, like I, I began learning 3D modeling and uh, because I wanted to create architecture, this is one example. And, um, you know, so I began teaching myself how to use the software uh, and I could have taught myself Revit or I could, I could have taught myself like a BIM information modeling 3D, modern 3D software, or I could have taught myself uh, something like a 3D model, modeling software like 3DS Max or Blender. And I went with uh, 3ds Max and Blender. In retrospect, I would have, uh, I think I would have, I think I would have preferred, and I think it would have been smarter for me to go with a BIM modeling in the amount of time that I had. Uh, so, no, I, I in my life I've set goals, accomplished them a lot, not always. I mean, I think we all set goals, don't we? We're kind of like goal-oriented beings. So I think we all set goals. Some of us question, of course, I, I mean, of course, like looking at this question, of course I question myself, you know, as I'm doing things, is this the right thing? I think we all do that. I think we all, I don't know if we all do that, but I get, I, I definitely do that also. Yeah. Well, I think that sounds very healthy, right? I mean, it's, it's healthy to question things and or at the, at the least reflect on it to see how they turned out. And if it still resonates with, with your inner calling or your guidance or your intuition. So, yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, Travis, in every episode, we ask a very big question. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, yeah, maybe you answered it already, but I'm still going to ask it. <laughs> so let's see if something new comes out of it. So it's uh, pretty safe to say that our current governance and economic systems are outdated, at the least, and they are actually holding each other hostage. So what I mean with that is that politics govern in favor of the economy and jobs. So the economy is basically dictating which kind of degenerative governance we apply. So the big question is, how do we, as a human race, provide and distribute abundance globally as well as locally, while maintaining an ethic of absolute ecological sustainability and protecting the right of everyone and of every species on the planet, not only to exist, but to thrive, how do we best organize to make all the above happen? Okay. Uh, wow, that's these are complex questions. Um, that's <laughs> complex question. Uh, so <laughs> let me let me. I kind of wrote wrote about this. How do we? Uh, I sort of wrote down some notes as you were talking because that's a very <laughs> complex question. So maybe uh, I'll restate. We distribute abundance. Um, how do we distribute abundance? How do we, by distributing abundance, how do we also maintain ecological sustainability? How do we protect rights, uh, exist on this planet, and, but we really want to thrive? Yeah. So, and how, how do we get there? Because again, like in terms of Orvana, we're talking about two different configurations of society where we have um, where abundance, where all that human potential is capable of is distributed to all. And so we have abundance of, of the fulfillment of our needs. Um, and then how do we do that in an ecologically sustainable manner? Um, and what does that mean? And uh, how do we protect rights? Uh, in rights, in, in community, rights become a, a there, there aren't rights in this sense um, as there are in uh, the market state. Rights, are, rights in the market state are protected by authority figures. Um, so you can imagine that if, uh, if, if in community you don't have authority figures, then what happens to the concept of rights? And a lot of people uh, cease their existence um, in this or have their existence ceased for them before their, you know, their existence here could be ceased uh, because of current societal operating standards. Um, and of course, mostly people, if we're talking about, you know, the actual people taking decisions that impact uh, a lot of other people's lives and in some cases end their lives. Uh, these are individuals taking these decisions with uh, a life history and maybe a local history. And then we, uh, we want, of course, to thrive. We want to uh, flourish. We want to have greater well-being. Uh, we want to have our common needs fulfilled. These are all concepts that are, just if you're interested, uh, are described in the social system standard, but are also described in the project plan separated into three directions, three or three categories. You have the exit, you have the direction, um, and you have the approach, and then you have the execution. So it's in the direction section because it's a dire directional project. And the even 
your your statement right here is sort of directional and the direction is distributing abundance and distributing abundance at the, at the total end we have thrive so uh, this is a pretty clear direction how do we get here um, how do we get to a place where we've distributed where we have distributed abundance that's that's still i mean in i don't know i don't think anybody really knows because there's such great uncertainty on the planet right now as there has been in the past um, and as there might be in the future there it's very behavior modification and the facilitation of a change in uh perception and uh, how one thinks can take a long period of time. And we're talking about, I mean, a lot of people describe Oravana as complex. It's sort, it's sort of simplex. There's simple aspects to it and there are complex aspects to it, but uh, it's, it's gonna take a while. And we've, we are proposing as a project, we are proposing a transition plan. And that transition plan involves a transition of the market a transition of the state and a transition of individuals in current society and uh, the steps that if if they're interested they could take to facilitate that transition if they're more interested in the state the steps they could take therein if they're more interested in the market the steps they could take therein these are just all possibilities um, what will eventually be the transition I don't think I don't I don't know. Uh, and then in terms of ecological sustainability, you know, I think in some ways, you know, I, I don't I don't know what that there are many different ways we could we could apply that apply this term. It's like, can we can we use oil? Can we not use oil? Can we use coal? Can we not use coal? Uh, does the type of technology it, can we use nuclear power to produce energy? Uh, because a lot of people, when it comes down to this type of economics, the most one of the most important factors is power. And so I think uh, we should talk about power. Of course, we need to keep within the carrying capacity of the environment, and we don't want to harm our uh, ecological services, the, the planetary ecological services. So there are different ways this 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 concept is applied in the decision system and the decision system dis discusses the, those sorts of protocols and protect rights you know i'd again you can in the in the project plan there's the people who want to talk about uh and are interested in transitioning the state and potentially also how one can apply rights to businesses, how rights can follow businesses. But when you're talking about markets, markets or businesses following rights, I, you then have to defer to the state because the state is the authority therein. And so then you're talking about rights at the state level, and now you're talking about laws. So protect rights, you know, I. This is a state sort of concept. Someone who's in, interested in transitioning the state uh, could look up what we've what we discussed therein in the project execution transition plan, and then thrive. How do we thrive on the planet together? Well, that's a simplex question, uh, and one can come to a greater understanding of the uh, how that sort of society might operate by uh, coming to a you know by looking at the standards and trying to understand the information therein wonderful thanks for that yeah <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's. I know it's a big question and a lot of aspects. It is a very big question. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But you managed to break it down yeah, quite, um, yeah, specifically. So awesome. I think, Travis, we're about to get to the end phase of the interview. So I want to ask you, how can we support your activities and your project? Right. So um, one can support our common direction in many, many, many different ways. So there are many projects out there working on our common direction. And I think any support of any of those projects working on our common direction is, uh, you know, what any of us can do. And so, but if one is interested in specifically contributing to Project Oravana, there's a contribution page under the work top navigation um, tab. Uh, I think it's work. It's work and then under that there's contribution and one can click that and then they can see how they might contribute uh, to the project. Right now, we don't have anybody living in habitats. Uh, habitats can't, and also another way is if one lives in an eco-village or one lives in an environment, to begin thinking about how these standards might be applied therein. And that habitat, that eco-village, that city might align more greatly with a set of standards for community. We have an adopt standards webpage as well under top navigation tab at the left standards, the standards top navigation tab. If you go, if you click that, you'll see a drop down uh, list of web pages. And one of those is adopt standards. People who live in habitat, every, all uh, local city village type environments in the, Orvana, in the Orvana project context are called habitats. And so if you're living in any type of habitat, you can begin thinking about how to align more greatly with the standards. Uh, and in that sense, also get, give back to a set of community standards that allows us to network our habitats under one operating standard that we have people contributing information and those operating standards are used by us in the habitat to uh, you know, meet our need for fulfillment. And so uh, you can contribute to our project, um, reading the contribution phase, you can facilitate uh, adoption of the standards or alignment with the standards via the adoption page or just work with any that's working on our common direction of which there are many out there. Okay, great. Um, of course, we will also um, publish the website among the uh, announcement on our anchor and where people can find the interview. Uh, Travis, um, is there some particular person that springs or comes to mind um, that we want or could be interviewing on Future Now Radio? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, um, I yeah, that. I mean, I, I, I do know one other person. In fact, you know, he's somebody I would like to know more about. Uh, Paul Cockshot. Mm. His name is Paul Cockshot. He he's a he wrote um, uh, P A U L Cockshot. He's written books on socialist economic calculation. He's very interesting. I've wanted to talk to him, and he talks about socialist economic calculation. One of the one of the 
parts of the standards that I feel is that, that, that of course it's a living document, but one of the parts of the standards that I feel is somewhat incomplete is the decision system. And so uh, he would be, you know, if, 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 I don't know, interviewing, he's just very, he's someone who uh, I think also could fill in part of that decision system, but is also very an interest and a very interesting person. Did you find him? Um, well, I'm going to check in, or maybe you can share the Here, I'll, LinkedIn profile. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll share on LinkedIn. Cool. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Well, well, Travis, thank you so much thank for you, being Robert. on the show. Yes, thank you as well. Pleasure yeah. being here. It was awesome. And thank you for listening to this podcast. We talked to Travis Grant, visionary, transition engineer, and societal systems developer at the Aravana project.